Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Today, we are joined on the Sandro Forte podcast by Jodie Hill, a lovely lady, somebody I've known for quite some time, but we've been trying desperately hard to get her on this podcast, but she is one busy woman and you're about to find out why. Jodie is a solicitor and managing director at Thrive Law. Recently, Jodie's firm have launched their new Thrive Wellbeing platform, Extraordinary, you'll find out all about it in a moment, aimed to tackle the impact of COVID on mental health, which of course is a huge issue in today's society. Jodie is here as well to explain the importance of a thriving mind and how one can deal with the challenges this obviously brings to all of us at the moment. Uh, Jodie Hill, what can I say? We have known each other for a while, I feel like <laughs> an awful long way, but we but our paths rarely cross, which is extraordinary. Uh, but finally, finally, um, after much perseverance and, a, and dare I say a bit of stalking, we finally tracked you down and we found, <laughs> we found the time to get one of the busiest people I know for lots of good reasons onto the podcast. So thank you very, very much for finding the time on the Sandro Forte podcast today. No, thank you. And what an intro. Thank you. No, good well, to be here. And finally, finally meet, uh, meeting and actually seeing each other's faces on Zoom as well. We were going to do it yeah. face-to-face, but... <laughs> hey, um, for two busy people, probably the easiest way in the end, wasn't it? And uh, and I, I can attest to the fact that I've actually uh, been a client of yours. I'm a client of yours. I'm not sure yeah. how that works. Um, so, you know, I can endorse all the great things that, that you are and your firm represent, and we'll talk about those a little bit. But let's start with, with the CV, the obvious place. Uh, Jodie Hill, who is she? Where does she come from? Uh, why on earth did you have the courage to start your own business when it would be so much easier to go work for someone else? So let's let's hear a little bit about you. Sure. Well, that's a really big question. Um, So I actually trained as a barrister originally, um, decided to cross-qualify to become a solicitor in 2013 and decided about three years ago now, it's literally three years in in March to set up my own law firm. Um, So I'll talk talk through a little bit kind of my why and why I set up Thrive. Um, I've always suffered with anxiety and PTSD. Well, I had PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder when I was younger, and I've I've really struggled with anxiety and I've managed it throughout the workplace. Um, And obviously, even in a high pressure job like a solicitor, manage that but ultimately things just got too much for lots of different reasons and I actually had a mental breakdown in 2017 um, and I just left my job but you know at the time I just needed to get better so my focus at that point was you know recovery get better get stable um, but w- alongside that I started to work as a consultant solicitor because what that gave me was an environment where I could work flexibly I could work my own hours I could work for myself um, and I started to quite quickly get better because of the environment being better because obviously all the support network that I had and part of that recovery made me realize that actually there wasn't a firm that I wanted to go to that um so I I was applying for firms at the same time as being a consultant 
Um, I'd been offered jobs in lots of big firms, but actually there was something holding me back from accepting those roles. And I think part of that is because I didn't want to go back to the place that I'd been when I was really unwell, but also because no one was really driven through by diversity and inclusion. No one really had that at the core of their values or, or, or something that when you actually spoke to people who worked at those firms actually resonated with the way they treated people. Um, so in a moment of madness, I set up my own firm the same year I had the breakdown. Um, so I, I think I was definitely still mad at the time. Um, it, it's been a roller coaster, um, but I launched Thrive on the 1st of March in um, 2018. And we now have a team of 11. Uh, we've just got a partner that's joined us from a top 100 firm and we're attracting some really talented individuals from across the UK. And they're all saying they've come to me because of the, the values that I have and, and the fact that I really do champion and I'm not afraid to talk about difficult conversations around mental health, diversity and inclusion. So in a nutshell, um, you know, that's kind of where my, my journey to date. Um, and like I say, it's about to be Thrive's third birthday. So exciting well times. <laughs> Congratulations. I obviously know a little bit about your background. You've touched on one or two of those things, which, you know, some people find very difficult, but you're such a an open, transparent individual. And you, you know, you do lead by example, Jody. So if you don't mind, I, yeah. I don't want you to describe in detail, you know, what you went through, but the PTSD, the anxiety, the mental yeah. breakdown, there's a lot of people, especially at the moment, who are finding it mentally very tough for lots and lots of different reasons, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, financial stress, for example. How does one recognize when um, they're at that tipping point, when it is because I, I think today what we've got is the opportunity to ask somebody who's been through that. Yeah. And at what point, uh, is there a point at which you can kind of recognize the, um, the, the issues to the extent that you might be able to just pull yourself back from the, from the edge, from the precipice? Yeah. And, and if you do go too far, if you do um, tip into and deal with, have, have to deal with some of the challenges that you clearly have dealt with, how do you then, you mentioned the word recovery, how do you recover from... Mm -hmm. From some of those, from some of those issues. So, in answer to the first question, I think it's really difficult to to spot those signs unless you're quite self aware. Um, I I'd, I'd been on medication for years at that point and knew I had anxiety, so it wasn't a surprise that I had anxiety. I think the breakdown became it was a surprise to me. Um, I think there was a combination of, of so many different pressures that one day I just couldn't function. I couldn't get out of bed, and and I'm, I'm you know I'm very well you see what I'm like a very energetic a very confident person so to have that kind of pulled away from me suddenly was really difficult and that for me was one of the hardest challenges to deal with um, so part of my recovery was how to prevent me getting back to that point um, and so everybody's different and everybody has individual circumstances and different trigger points but for me what's really helped me is understanding what those trigger points are personally um, and whether how and how that manifests. So do I start to work really long hours or do I stop exercising? That's one of my trigger points is I'm working too much and just not exercising. And I know that if I exercise, that's a positive thing. It's good for my mental and physical health. But if I stop doing it, I'm on a downward spiral. So there's mm. some behavioral things that you need to learn about yourself. It's all about understanding your mind, your body, and actually being really self-aware and looking for those trigger points. Um, often people don't realize they're burning out. And so it takes for their colleagues to spot. But as you've alluded to, you know, people are really finding it difficult now 
but we're not seeing people. So how can your colleagues necessarily spot it? So I do think there's an onus on us to practice self-care, to practice self-awareness and really understand um, what our limits are. What our, I always talk about a stress bucket. So you've got your stress bucket and everybody's bucket is different sizes. Um, now, that could change throughout the year for how much stress you can deal with. And it's when that bucket starts to overflow is when we as individuals start to feel overwhelmed, burnout, anxiety, depression. And so it's managing that and understanding what you can tolerate. And, and that will fluctuate. And our resilience um, obviously increases through adversity, but equally doesn't mean it's easy at the time. So it's really, I think for me, it's still a journey. It's not a destination. It's something that I'm constantly evolving and learning about myself, but also just sharing that and, and being accountable. So one of the things we do at work is uh, the, the team. We, we keep each other accountable. We had a power hour last week where everybody had to commit a whole hour of every day to them. And they had to say what they were doing in the group and just encouraging self-care. And, and like you say, practicing what you preach and leading by example, um, especially as leaders. I think it's really important to, to to put ourselves out there and be vulnerable and say, do you know what? We're human, too. And these things happen. To, they could happen to anybody. Um, mm. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And it's nothing to it's not a sign of weakness, which I think a lot of leaders do perceive it as. Um, so, yeah, I think me talking openly has actually helped me as part of that recovery as well. I've I've heard the word Jody awareness a lot uh, in the short time we've been speaking so far, and I and I don't think we can underestimate how important awareness is. And I think it would be fair to say in society we are much more aware of um, mental health now than we were perhaps even five years ago. Yeah. But do you think enough is being done? I, I maybe the answer to this is no, on the basis that you are doing what you're doing so successfully, and people from you know. Um, legal 100 companies are coming to you to your firm but is enough being done and, and what more can be done uh to um help people in the workplace but in society generally to become more aware of the support and help that's available so I actually, I think, yeah, the answer, the answer is yes and no, in that um, some companies are doing great, great things and are really supporting individuals. I think there's a lot more that can be done. I'm currently campaigning. And in fact, I've got a, a meeting with an MP next week to talk about how the government can support businesses in conducting well-being and mental health risk assessments to really understand what their, where their staff are at, what they need, because most people don't ever tell anyone at work if they're suffering, because they don't want to be seen to be weak. They don't want to be passed promotion that they can't handle it um and actually the reality is you know i set up a law firm having had a breakdown it doesn't mean you can't function it means you know often you have to work a lot harder to get to that point but most of the time people do get through it and so having the right environment is really important and that's what these risk assessments that i'm campaigning for um, should establish is first of all the company's environment the support that they've got and is it clearly communicated to their staff and then secondly um, in terms of the individual's assessment is what are the needs of that individual what's the cause of stress are they getting enough exercise and nutrition well, everything it's a holistic approach and I think it's more than simply looking at stress because the HSE guidance says that you have to do an annual risk assessment on stress for every employee now that's great but it, Stress isn't the stress isn't in, it's not enough. It's too it's too niche to really have any impact, in my view. Um, so whilst it's helpful to do that, the other downside is the manager has to sit with a member of staff and go through what is making you stress. And if it's them making them stress, they're not going to tell them. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a lot of work to be done around how the government can support businesses in, in achieving these outcomes. It's mm. in everyone's interest, you know, investing in mental health is is 
it's even if you don't care about mental health, it's good for business. It's financially good for business. It's good for the economy. Um, but you know, you retain good people if you really invest in their in their well being. And I think more businesses are doing it. Um, I think the, the biggest challenge that I've seen is that people don't know where to start, and that's that, so they so they do nothing because they don't know what to do. And I would always say just make make a start even if it's the smallest thing even if it's just like today is time to talk day and you know that is a a perfect example of something that's really easy to implement it's just talking about mental health it's breaking that stigma down and really understanding who the people are that you're working with or around and how how they feel ask people how they feel Mm. and I think we, we kind of as Brits we go how are you yes I'm fine how are you yes I'm fine and that's it and actually, do we really mean how? No, but how do you actually feel? And and if someone replied with actually, I don't feel great, how would we react to that? Would we actively listen? And it's so it's a two way thing. It's you know how would we receive that information, but also how are we asking for the information that we want to receive? Um, and that's a whole. It's a huge project, and it's not there isn't a what there isn't one answer that fixes it, and there isn't a silver bullet. But I do think the risk assessments are a really holistic way in approaching this. Do you know what I love about the podcast? I'm, and I'm really proud of, the, of, of what this podcast has become because here I am today talking to, you know, a very highly respected, well thought of lawyer who isn't talking about law at all. Um, <laughs> he's talking about the well-being of others. And, I, you know, I think that is brilliant in society and we should have more Jodie Hills, definitely. <laughs> can, I, can I take you back three years um, yep. to when you described earlier <laughs> you were feeling a little bit mad, um, and uh, but you were in a, you were in a dark place. Yeah. And, and what I'm really interested to find out is how someone um, in in that moment uh, where things are are not great decides to start a business. And and what I what I'm looking to explore here, Jodie, with you is because I've I've been saying this for years. I am a great believer, and, and I clearly you are as well. Or you wouldn't have done what you've done. Where um, opportunity often comes from adversity. And a lot of people, when they're in that difficult moment in their life or or career, um, apathy sets in. Like you say, they don't want to get out of bed and uh, unfortunately don't fulfill potential. What would you say to people who might be in a difficult place right now in relation to the opportunities that still exist? Yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. I completely agree. And it's something that I I actually call it my breakthrough now, not my breakdown. Um, and I, I genuinely think had that not have happened, I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, it definitely gave me a fire in inside me to, to make a change because of what had happened to me. Um, and, and also, I think because I was already an employment solicitor and I specialised in that area of law, I was in a really unique position because I had the lived experience. I knew what it felt like physically and mentally, but I also knew how to make a change. So I felt like I was in a really privileged position to be able to have a positive impact, whereas so many other people wouldn't be able to do that. Um, And also I became a lawyer to make a positive change, to give people a voice and to to really help people. And I felt that that was really my calling. Um, And and actually, um, I just thought, well, what have I got to lose? I've just left my job. Uh, I've just had a breakdown. It doesn't get much worse, you know? So the reality was, if it doesn't work, then I'll get a job. You know, I mean, it's really, if you think, if you break it down like that, like what's the worst that's going to happen? You can overthink everything. And I have anxiety. I know what it's like to overthink. But the reality is, what's the worst that's going to happen? If it doesn't go to the way I'd planned, um, then I get a job and 
then I'm, I've not lost anything. So that, that was my mindset at the time. I was very, you know, I had that fire, but also I was kind of like, well, and I was very young. I mean, the average age to set up a firm is in the 50s, 60s, and I was 29. And that's like younger than most qualified solicitors and newly qualified. So, you know, I, I did face a lot of um, uh, pushback from other older Older, older men actually um, But the reality is um, It works People people want role models Who they can relate to um, mm. And and actually You know I think if anybody's In a place where they're Really dark right now Or or feeling like they're struggling um, Your mental health isn't linear And I think The thing that I've learned Is that yes It's been difficult And yes We've been through a pandemic And it's, it's incredibly difficult For everyone More so when you have A mental health problem Because you can't deal with The uncertainty as, as quite as well But you know Again We've gone through This really difficult year And actually I've come out of it In January We had our, our best month ever We now tripled our turnover And you know That again I think There's something about adversity That drives me It literally pushes me forward mm. um, And I think because It's because I've been through that And it's really given me um, The strength and resilience to, to actually go All the way through lockdown When other mm. firms Were like making people redundant We were recruiting partners on the subject of role models we can relate to, we're, we're privileged to have one on the podcast today, Jodie. Um, some, uh, already some amazing takeaways. Thank you so much for sharing so openly. Let's talk a little bit now about um, your Thrive Wellbeing platform, because um, you know that is, you, you know, you don't have to do what you do. Uh, you can carry on making a fantastic living, uh, being a great employment lawyer. Yeah. But you've you've gone above and beyond and you've you've tried to do something that is clearly having a great impact on society. So let's just talk a little bit about that and what your you know, what caused you to set it up, partly driven by some of your story that you've shared so far. But let's just understand a little bit more about that, that particular platform. Sure. So the first lockdown, I mean, God, we're in our third one. Let's hope it's the last. Uh, in the first lockdown, I think everybody was really feeling it because it was so much uncertainty. And what we saw was uh, a real, a, just everything to do, diversity, and inclusion, mental health, just dropped off the radar. People were in crisis management mode and that, that was a nice to have. And I didn't like that. I was like, that's not if, if people don't come out of lockdown resilient, you won't have a workforce. So you can't just drop that off. And I understand from a finance perspective that that is an issue. Um, but we decided to create the platform for two reasons. One, to support our team because it has mental health champion training, talks about the 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 different types of stress levels and all of the, the how to deal with overwhelm and all of that side of it. So there's some really practical stuff that every single employee in any company can access. Um, and the other side was about creating toolkits for managers to really understand how to have some of those difficult conversations, how to make reasonable adjustments, how to offer the right support, both for people with mental health problems, but also those who are neurodiverse. Um, and at the time, I didn't know this, but the second lockdown, I got diagnosed with ADHD. And I didn't know I had this, but at the time I'd put all of this into the platform to support neurodiverse, diverse individuals and people with mental health problems. Um, so we created it for free for our clients in a way to really just support them through what was obviously a really difficult time, especially because a lot of them are manufacturing clients having to close and that type of thing. Um, and then a lot of our clients saying, you know, you, you should actually commercialize this. This is a great product. So we actually launched it um, to the public um, on, I think it was like June, July last year. And we've got a couple of hundred businesses now using it. In January and February of this year, we're offering it for free 
So loads of people are using it. And the idea really is just to help people through lockdown. And so I know that what happens in lockdown is people have less face-to-face time, less social interaction, and they often are really worried about money and all sorts of other things, as well as homeschooling for so many people. And you compound all of that and you have a melting pot. And I think, you know, businesses need to support staff and some of them can't afford it. So we just decided to offer that for free. Um, at the moment to help people out and yeah but we're going to develop it it's member-led so the idea is that on a quarterly basis we'll ask people you know what what went well what didn't go so well what gaps are there is there anything we can help with and then all the members data data that comes through will then push out new content every every quarter and it's a it's a monthly subscription thing so the idea is is they can keep the conversation going rather than the tick box oh we've done a training session it's really about having a place that people can go to for well-being support in the workplace. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, and the words thriving mind, um, I know that's something that um, follows on naturally from what you've just talked about. Yeah. Um, how how important is um, or effective is a thriving mind on one's productivity? Oh, it's so important. Um, it's it's intrinsic to performance and productivity, in my view. I think people underestimate the importance of taking breaks and actually having um, you know, a really strong practice of self-care in order to have a thriving mind. Um, you could, I mean, I know for a fact if I'm if I'm more product, I'm more productive when I've actually taken a proper break or I've had a good night's sleep. Um, it's not about the amount of time that you work for; it's about the output that you do in that time. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, for me, it's of paramount importance, and I think businesses need to put mental health to the top of the business agenda, and they'll really reap the benefits. Mm. How do you how do you deal with all the challenges? I mean, you've got a bucket load of challenges you've had to face. Uh, you know, and, and God forbid none of us listening have to go through some of the challenges you face, Jodie. But you've you've come out the other side. How is there a process? Is there a is there a mantra? Does it have to get really really bad before it gets better? How how did you deal with um, you know the PTSD, the, the the mental breakdown, the ADHD? Uh, because all of these roadblocks and that's understating it clearly mm. uh, but every time you face one of these challenges you came out the other side how did you do it because there's lots and lots of people who write into us regularly saying got a problem don't know how to get through the other side um so I- for me, it was really about having a really good support network. Um, my friends and family were really supportive. I had the right medication, the right medical support. Um, and often that's not available to people. I was really lucky in that I could go, I'd just been in therapy. So I was already, I was able to go straight back in. I think it's really difficult if you don't have access to services, like a lot of people don't have that right now. Um, but, but have a look and see if there are any charities, if you can't afford to pay privately and get that support as soon as possible. I think it's really important not to put it off talk to someone, always talk about how you're feeling and if you're struggling. Um, and that goes back to that self-awareness piece, like understanding where where I was at and, and being able to pull myself back. That has been really important. And each time it happens, it gets easier so that you, you bounce back, your resilience um, is building. And actually for me, that's something that I'm noticing more and more. Um, and when I was diagnosed with ADHD, I actually found it a positive experience because it explained to me why I behaved in certain ways and why I learned. So whilst it, it, it was a shock and it was something that I'm now having to take a lot of medication for it's also explained a lot of things so it's given me 
So sometimes having a diagnosis, it doesn't define you. It just can help you to understand why your brain is working in a certain way so that you can adapt your life so you can work in the best way. So it's not necessarily like, oh, you know, everyone needs to get a diagnosis, but sometimes it can really help to understand how to, to manage it properly. And once you know how to manage it, it's live, you can live with it and it's fine mm. and you will be fine. But I think, you know, it is a journey and, and you've always, everybody has bad days. I have bad days and weeks still. Um, but it's accepting them for what they are and actually just moving forward from that and taking each day as it comes. What aspects of society do you think have a, you know, a negative impact on, on people's mental health, Jodie? I mean, obviously social media, everything is easier to access, quicker to access. Um, you know, we want easier, we want faster. People are glued to their mobile phones, social interaction with or without COVID-19, uh, clearly the dynamic of that has changed over the over the last few years well over the last 10 20 years significantly in more recent times um is it just social media is it just the mobile telephone it, you know what aspects because you know you champion this so mm. what aspects of society what can we do as a nation as a people across the world to help each other to improve mental awareness and obviously to reduce the impact of mental uh, illness, if that's yep. the right expression, yep. on society. So I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, social media is a huge, huge problem. And so and lack of so social interaction, you combine those two things. And actually humans are meant to be, they were social animals. So we, you know, we crave that as part of our genetics. That's what we, that's what we need to function. Um, but equally, I think we need to get away from this whole filtering of uh, this filtered lifestyle that people post online and the comparisons that we have. Um, you know, people post their highlight reels. They don't post all the bad stuff. And I think we need to normalize talking about normal things and, and things like having a mental health problem or, you know, having been neurodiverse. Like it's not nothing to be ashamed of. And I think if we can normalize some of those conversations, it won't be so taboo. It won't be a stigmatized conversation in the workplace. Oh, they've got a mental health problem. Mm. Actually, you know, we talk about bad backs, like, like there's no, you know, we, that's just a normal thing to do. So I think that's something that society can do. And I think it involves leaders and people in power being vulnerable. Uh, I think it's great that the Royal family do take that upon themselves with their own charity and do charity work around um, their own struggles with their own mental health. And I think if you've got more role models in those types of positions who people look up to, mm. um, and also just in business, I think business leaders, you know, I, I launched This Is Me in Yorkshire, which is a national um, charity and it's a business led campaign. And effectively, it's about storytelling, getting business leaders to be open, to be vulnerable and to talk about their story, the impact it had on them and how they recovered. And the power of that is unbelievable. When you look at the statistics, it just it just blows your mind. It, like over 90 percent of people in that organisation then say that actually they now felt that they could talk about mental health at work and before they never would have. And mm. just by simply doing a short video. So there are some really simple things that we can do. Um, and I think we also need to. Um, ask each other how we are properly as well. I never mentioned this before, but um, 
that kind of uh, hope you're well, we always say, hope you're well. Mm. If not, you don't even want a response, do you? Um, but actually, I always say, ask people three times and the, the impact that that's had. And I found out that people were in a really dark place and I've, I've managed to help some people, you know, all, you know, where, who were suicidal. And had I not asked them in that way, I wouldn't have known. So, you know, that that is really important. And then I think the final thing is being self-aware and knowing like the impact of our own actions on people. Um, I think, you know, it's not just being self-aware of your of your own reactions, but also your actions when you're communicating with someone, the impact that that could have, um, especially on emails. I find that people can be really keyboard warrior-ish um, on emails and social media. And I think that is a real problem in our society is that people wouldn't speak to you like that face-to-face, mm. but they're doing it behind a keyboard, but the, but the impact is the same. And that person is, then becomes extremely un- uh, upset. So we see a lot of that in, um, in business, actually, which I think is really unfortunate, but I am a litigator, mm. so we do get a lot of, mm. uh, lot of fallouts. But even Equally online, people can be really unkind. Um, so yeah, I know last year the message from Mental Health Week was about be kind, be kind to you, be kind to yourself, and be kind to others. Um, and I think that message needs to continue. You're absolutely right, Jodie. There is a there is an unfortunate socially accepted language that we use. You know, how are you fine? How are you fine? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you say, really good tip is to ask somebody on multiple occasions because oftentimes they will let the guard drop eventually and, and share mm-hmm. perhaps a bit more openly. And look, if we can all help one person yeah. to transition to a better place, I mean, what a fantastic world it would be. Well, certainly better than it is at the moment. Um, so uh, this this incredible journey that you've been on at, at the very tender age of your early 30s, um, what's next? I mean, uh, a book, a podcast. I mean, <laughs> you've got you've got the world at your feet now, Jenny. What's what's happening next? Um, so, well, we, we're planning to grow Thrive a bit more this year, and we want to launch our own podcast as well. Um, we've got lots of plans in terms of like marketing stuff that we're, we're trying to, you know, reach more people with the well-being support. Um, and we're going to invest a bit more in some training and looking not just at legal stuff, like you said, it's diversity and inclusion, but we we're delivering it with the knowledge of the law and the compliance behind it. So really, just developing that because no one's really doing that. Um, no, no one. It's not. It's too niche. Um, so we're we're looking to champion that over the next um, couple of years and I'm working um, with the Law Society and the SRA which is our regulatory body um, on some work around um, equality diversity and we do some like mentoring work so just picking up more of that and helping other other businesses who want to make a change who don't really know where to start um, just spending a bit of time mentoring others and helping them Mm. on that journey. Fantastic and we'll keep an eye out for your podcast as well. Final question, Jody. We normally ask, well, we ask all our guests the same final question. And that really is to answer one very, very simple uh, question. And that is, imagine a younger version of you uh, came up to you one day and said, Jody, based on all of your life's experiences, good and bad, and how you've dealt with things and how you've championed things and basically how you've navigated your way through this, this pathway in life with all its twists and turns, what one single piece of advice would you give to that person looking to plough the same furrow that you've you've furrowed in life? And this is easy for me. It's, it's care care less what people think. Um, I think when you're younger, you certainly care so you're worried so much about what everybody else thinks. And actually, trust your gut and just care less what other people think and go with it. Spoken like a true Yorkshire woman. <laughs> um, Jodie, it's been, it's, do you know what? It's been really genuinely, um, I, 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 I'm very careful not to be too gushing towards guests because otherwise it just make me sound like, um, you know, 
I, 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 I treat, think of them and treat them all in the same way. Genuinely, today, I have I have personally learned an awful lot. I know I speak for tens of thousands of people who are listening uh, who probably feel the same way. Thank you, not just for sharing your own personal story, which you know I know is not easy, uh, but just for those lovely sound bites that that the, the direction that you've been able to send a few of us in, um, putting into life giving us a bit of perspective of what's going on and showing us quite clearly there is always a way out of a challenging situation. Mm -hmm. um, I, all I can say on behalf of everyone listening is please continue to do what you're doing for so many people. Uh, long may thrive, continue to thrive. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, I just made that one up as I thought about it. Um, <laughs> but, but sincerely, um, you know, it's, it's always been great knowing you hope we, get to see much more of each other in the future uh, but for now Jodie Hill thank you so much for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast you've been absolutely terrific awesome thanks for having me